Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Let's just say this together. Say, Father, I thank you for your Word. Your Word is spirit and life to me. I believe with all my heart that your Word, sown in good ground, produces good fruit. Father, I am good ground for your Word. I'm a doer of the word, not a hearer only, and I am blessed in my deeds. And I rejoice today, Father, because you sent Holy Spirit to reveal truth to me. So I call on you today, Holy Spirit, to do that work in my life, reveal truth. I'll receive it, be changed by it, and I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. See, we've been talking about September being back to church month, and um, I want to talk to you today about why you need to be a part of the team. Praise God. Why you need to be a part of the team. And, uh, you know, there's there's a whole lot of reasons why you need to be part of the team. And... Uh, uh, Part of them have to do with how we feel about you, praise God. Part of them have to do with how we hope you feel about us. You know, we, we need you, but we also hope that you realize that you need us. You see, it's a mutual thing. We both need each other, praise God. And uh, there is a, a statement, I don't know where it came from. I've seen several different people that have used it recently. But it's just uh, this phrase, we're better together. Praise God. We're better together. And, uh, you know, I found that so true. And so I'll just borrow that phrase since I don't know who it came from. I can't really give credit for it. Uh, I can't take credit for it either. But, but it's a good statement. We are better together. Um, 1 Corinthians 12 chapter says this. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren... I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. Now, 
What I want you to notice here are there are some things that should be the same. Across the board, among believers, from church to church, from church body to church body, from individual believer to individual believer, there are some things that must remain constant and some things that, that, you know, that, that have to be the same. But there are many things that can be different. You know, I don't expect you to be like me. Now, like I said, there are some things that need to be the same, but there are some things that need to be different. If we were all the same, the Apostle Paul talks to the Corinthian church about this. He said, if the whole body, if it were all eyes, where would be the hearing? If if it were all hearing, where would be the smelling? You know, and we could take every place and every part of the body and, and mention it in that way. If we were all the same part of the body, then there would be many functions that, you know, um, if, uh, you know, I, I like to illustrate it this way. I'm right-handed, and so this is, this is my primary hand that I do things with, that I function with, but many of the functions of my right hand require my left hand. And, uh, you know, so if, if all I had was right hands, then where would be the left hand? Where would be the, you know, that necessary function that my left hand performs? Uh, you know, we, we can't all do the same thing. We should not do all, all of us do the same thing. We should not all function in the same way. In fact, let me just get, I, I made a list here of the things that he mentions in this passage that he says these are some things that should be the same or even stronger than that, that must be the same. He says that who Jesus is must be the same. You know, we can't have varying opinions about who Jesus is. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And if we're going to come to the Father, there's only one way to come. Jesus is the way. Not one of several, not one of many, but Jesus is the way. And Jesus is the avenue to salvation. We've got to go through Jesus. He's the door to salvation. You know, we can't come some other way. In fact, he says that the one that comes up and tries to climb up some other way, he says the same as a thief and a robber. So, you know, we can't just pick our own way to God. We must come through Jesus. There's no other way. And, you know, I... I I illustrate this many times, and, you know, those of you who have heard this a hundred times, forgive me, but I need to mention it again this morning, you know, that if, if we put a sign on the front door, if we're doing something in the back of the building, and we put a sign on the front door that says, please use the back door, then we're not trying to keep some people out. We're not trying to keep all the front door people out. You know, well, we like to use the front door. Well, I'm sorry, the front door is locked. The back door is open. We're not trying to keep you out. We're trying to tell you how to get in. 
When Jesus said, I am the way, no one comes to the Father but by me, he's not trying to keep some people out, you know. He's not trying to keep people who, who uh, well, I want to come by Buddha. He's not trying to keep Buddhists out. He's trying to tell Buddhists, if you want to get in, you're going to have to come through Jesus. He's not saying that, you know, if you want to come by, uh, by Allah, He's not saying, well, if you want to come by Allah, we're trying to keep you out. No, he's saying to everybody who, who uh, has put their trust in Allah, he's saying, you're going to have to come through Jesus. He's not trying to keep them out. He's trying to tell them how to get in. Praise God. And so there is only one way to get in, and that is Jesus. So we must all be surrounded and, and, and agreeing upon this one thing, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father but by Jesus. Next thing that we must recognize is that there is only one Holy Spirit. There is only one Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, and regardless of what my function in the, play, in the body of Christ is and what your function in the body of Christ is, we function by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I may function differently than you do. I may have a different place in the body, but there's only one Holy Spirit that empowers me to do my job and empowers you to do your job. Praise God. One Holy Spirit. It's not several different spirits. One Holy Spirit. Next thing is, there is only one Lord. One supreme authority, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we must acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. Only one Lord. Same Lord. And regardless of what my function is, same Lord. Praise God. Praise God. And there is one God that is working. And so whatever we're doing, regardless of the fact that we may be different in our working and in our, our, our place that we're fulfilling, it is all God working. Because God works through us toward a common purpose, and it is all the uh, God working through us and in us. Praise God. But there are some things that should be different. Praise God. Now, let me just say this. Not every church should be the same, and not every church should do the same thing. You know, there is no reason... Uh, you know, I, I taught a class in, in the Philippines at a Bible school one time, and as I was teaching them, uh, you know, we were talking, I was talking to a group of, of, of students who were probably going to be pastors, and many of them planting churches, and uh, so as I, as I spoke to them, I said, you know, let's define, let's define some things. We broke the class up into groups, and I said, okay, we got three groups here. Each group, you're going to start a church. 
So I want you to, to put together a plan for me as, as, as a workshop uh, exercise. And I want you to tell me some things. Uh, I want you to decide these things, and then you're going to do a presentation about your church. You know, you need to decide on a name for your church. You need to, you know, why, why you're going to name it this. You need to have a vision for your church, what you want to accomplish. Uh, you know, you need to, um, and, and then one of the things that I said is, what makes your church different than the church down the street? What makes your church different than the church down the street? You know, and, and that's not a wrong thing. You know, we should not, every church should not be the same and do the same thing. Every church should should find its place, praise God. You know, I know, uh, I know of two very well known, if I told you their names, you would, you probably would recognize them, but two very well known individuals, both pastors of, of mega churches and in, in different cities, but one of these pastors will tell you, we built our church by doing door-to-door evangelism. And the other pastor says, door-to-door evangelism is a waste of time. You'll see very little fruit from it. Now, what do we make of that? Well, it worked for one pastor for their church. It hasn't worked for another one. Praise God. And what I say is that, uh, you know, I, I take a little bit of the issue of, of, of issue with the fact of saying that it's, uh, you know, it's a waste of time and it won't work. Well, it might work for you. It obviously worked for this other pastor that says that's how we built our church. So uh, what works for one congregation, one body might not work for another. And we need to find what works for us and, you know, find our place and what Holy Spirit is directing us to do, praise God. But uh, uh, so here's some things that ought to be different. There are different gifts. There are different gifts. The Apostle Paul told, told us about nine spiritual gifts, and there are other kinds of gifts other than just spiritual gifts too. Uh, or, or what's listed in this list of nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, but he's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's word of wisdom, word of knowledge, uh, uh, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, uh, gifts of healings, gifts of working of miracles, gifts of faith. Gift, you know, and we've got nine gifts of the Spirit. And Paul tells us and instructs us to desire spiritual gifts but then he says, desire the best gifts. Well, how do I decide which one is the best gift? You know, should we all be seeking the best gift and forget about all the rest of them? Well, every gift is the best gift for somebody and in some situation. Praise God. And, and so, uh, you know, over the, a lot of years of studying on these things, that I've come to the conclusion that the best gift I, I heard this one time, and I've, con- I've concluded that this is probably the right answer, that the best gift is the gift that's needed at the time. Now, because of what the gift does. If a person is need, in need of healing in their body, the best gift would be, can you guess? 
gifts of healings, right? Doesn't that make sense? Okay. What if a person is needing encouragement? What if they're just discouraged and, you know, a, a, a gift of, of encouragement, what would be the best gift? Well, Paul defines the gift of prophecy as being for edification, exhortation, and comfort. So if I am discouraged and I need encouragement in my life, probably the best gift is if someone can function in the gift of prophecy and give me an encouraging word. Give me a word that builds me up, edifies. Praise God. So I want to receive from a word of prophecy. But what if I need to the other side of the river and the bridge is out? I might need the best gift in that situation might be working of miracles so I could walk across the river. Praise God. You see what I'm saying? That there is a best gift and the best gift for each individual in each individual place and each individual situation may not be the best gift for somebody else. Because we all see different people. We all have different realms of influence in our life. You touch people that I will never even meet. You come in contact with people that I'll never see, that I'll never know, that I'll never have, you know, uh, maybe may, I might meet them, I might know them, but I don't know them on the same level you do. And you may be able to speak into their life in a way that I can't. And so there is a... A, a, a best gift for your situation in your place and, and, and where God has set you in the body. Praise God. There are different gifts and there are different ways of serving. There's different ways of serving. Yeah, uh, we, we all have different talents and skills and abilities, you know, and God takes our natural abilities and, and uses those, and there's different ways of serving in the body of Christ. And, you know, uh, if we begin to evaluate, and I encourage you to do this, take a self-evaluation, take a look at your life and look at what God has gifted you with, you know, uh, you, you may, I, I hear uh, students in school sometimes, you know, uh, they say, well, I'm not good at math. Okay, you're not good at math. Uh, you know, I've got a, some other words about that, that about, uh, about trusting God to help you improve your, your math skills. But, but let's just say, all right, for, for the sake of our illustration here, let's say you're not good at math, but you are good at something. Praise God. You're good at something. What are you good at? You're not good at math, but maybe you have tremendous capacity for language skills. You know, maybe you can't multiply, but you can talk. You know, maybe you've got great communication skills. Maybe you're artistic. Maybe you have other skills, see, 
that can be used, and one skill may not be your strength, but another skill is your strength. Well, it's the same thing in the body of Christ. We have different abilities. We have different skills. We have different ways of functioning in the body of Christ and different things to contribute to the body. We don't all, I don't need everybody up here. All right? Uh, let, let, let's not all come on the platform today. All right? Let's, you know, there is a place that, uh, uh, you know, th this is my place. This is where, you know, I, this is where I function. But we all have different places to function, praise God, and different skills and abilities to be used for God's purpose. Praise God. And then differences of activities, differences of activities. You know, what, what does that mean, differences of activities? Well, we may all be serving. Let's, uh, let's just take this for instance. Let's say that you, have, you can make the best tacos in town. And so you open up a food truck to serve tacos. You begin to prosper and do very well at this, and it begins to, to make you money. All right? Somebody else say, well, I have the best tacos in town. I think I need to open a, you know, start a, a, a food truck. Well, maybe a food truck's not your thing. Maybe you need to do a set-down restaurant for tacos. And then somebody else says, I have the best tacos in town. And I can sell them and deliver them. Got a different activity. Same tacos. You know, everybody's making tacos. Everybody thinks their tacos are the best, but they all have they have different activities in order to sell those tacos. You know, we all have a common purpose to reach our city and to reach our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there are a myriad of activities that can be done in order to do that. Praise God. And because one church does it, you know, one, one thing, you go into to, to poor nations sometimes, and you see this. You see that you drive down the road, and you get to a, to a certain uh, part of the city, and it seems like every business in that city is the same kind of business. And you've got... In, in a, a, a city block, you've got a dozen small tire shops. Everybody's selling tires. Now, why did they do that? Because somebody went to that part of the city and opened up a tire store and did well. So somebody else says, oh, okay, well, people buy tires here. So they opened up a tire shop right next door to it. And then someone else says, oh, it seems like these tire shops are doing good in this part of the city. So they open another tire shop. 
And, you know, and, and this is the way that a lot of times in, in underdeveloped countries where people don't have much education and don't have much, uh, sometimes a lot of, uh, don't have a lot of, uh, of business savvy, they begin to see, well, how about if, if you're good at tires, why don't you go across town where there's not a tire shop and open a tire shop there? See, they don't think like that. They think this guy's doing good, so I'll move in right next door to him, and I'll get some of the people that were going into his business. And so, you know, and, and the, the funny thing is church people think the same way. Church people think the same way. Oh, well, this church, well, they're, they're, they're feeding the poor on Tuesday nights. And so we're going to start feeding the poor. We'll just do ours on Wednesday nights. We're going to start doing the same thing that they're doing because it's, they're having success at it. All right? Here's the thing, and this is what I told the class that I taught on planting churches. I said, you need to find out what makes your church different, not what makes your church the same. What makes your church different, and if your church is, in fact, the same as the church down the street, why don't you just, instead of planting another church to, do, to be the same, why don't you just go help them? You know, because we all have different functions, different places, different, different activities. We all are working towards the common goal of reaching our city and our nation and our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if we all do the same function, we all do the same activity, then that means there's a lot of activities and a lot of functions that are not getting done. Praise God. Praise God. Now, we all have different, and we talked about this already, so I'm not going to go into it, but we all have different realms of influence. Different realms of influence. You can influence people. I can't influence. You know, um, now let me just say this. We all have a different measure of faith. Now, I've heard this taught that we all have been given the measure of faith. And that came from one translation that actually says the measure of faith. However, I've searched it out in many translations, and very few translations say the measure. Most translations say we have been given a measure of faith. And that comes from uh, Romans chapter 12. Where it says, I say by the grace given to me, um, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly, starting with verse 3, by the way, of the 12th chapter of Romans. I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And that, by the way, is the New King James Version. Um, for as we have many members in one body, but all of the members do not have the same function. Notice what he said. All of the we have many members, but all of the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, 
are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing. Why, do we, why would we need the same measure of faith for differing gifts? You see, what he's actually saying is there is a specific measure of faith that is custom designed by God for the function that he has given you. Praise God. A specific faith that is necessary to do what God's called you to do and to fulfill your place and to fulfill your function in the body of Christ. You have, it, your measure is not the same as mine. Now, here's where we get off on this. We, when we think of, of this measure of faith as being a quantity, that's where we mess up. Because it's not talking about a quantity of faith. It is talking about a specific custom-made faith for your function. Praise God. Praise God. Now he says, uh, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Remember that word grace right there. Let us use them if prophecy let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry. Let us use our ministering, he who teaches in teaching. So in other words, if my gift is teaching, I don't necessarily need prophecy faith. Okay? If my gift is serving, or that's what the word ministry actually means is serving. So if, if I have a gift of, uh, or if I have a gift of serving, I don't necessarily need a teaching faith. I need a serving faith. Praise God. And so he, you know, God has customized this measure of faith for your place. Now, I was talking before church this morning to, to someone. We were talking about that, you know, I said, I believe there are people. Now, I'm a, I'm a huge baseball fan, St. Louis Cardinals baseball. And so, uh, every baseball team likes to have some players they call utility players. And the utility player is the guy that you can plug him into a multitude of different positions. Let's say that uh, your second baseman is running the bases and he tweaks his ankle going into third base, sliding into third base. And so he's out of the game. You've got a guy sitting on your bench that he may not be a second baseman, he may not be a first baseman, he, but he is a utility player and he can play second base, he can play first base, he can play third base, he can play right field, he can play uh, left field, you know. And so you've got this guy, and you, you now need a second baseman. So this guy, you can stick him in to play second base. And then you've got another guy that, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe he is a, uh, 
maybe he's an asset as a as a hitter. Well, he can go in and he can pinch hit uh, at certain times in the game. And, and so, anyway, every team likes to have those guys that they can plug in at a multitude of different positions. And, but the thing is, this guy, he may not be as good a second baseman as the guy that plays there every day, but he can adequately fill the job. You know, the, the, the regular second baseman, he may be a, a better second baseman. But, you say, well, then the, the, the regular second baseman is more valuable. Not necessarily. In fact, the most valuable guy on your team might be the guy that can be adequate at six different positions. Because that gives him the flexibility of going in and filling a spot when it's needed. Now, the rest of the game, when this guy's in there playing, he, uh, he may not do as good a job as the regular second baseman. But the regular second baseman has been incapacitated. So now he's got to come in and he's got to fill those shoes. Now, here's the thing. In the body of Christ, I believe God has utility players. I believe that God has players, has people in the body of Christ that they are able and willing to fill in wherever they're needed. And you may say, well, they're not as valuable. Oh, yes, they are. Oh, yes, they are. Just as valuable as the guy that plays every day at that position. Now, the job might not get done as well as the regular guy, but he's just as valuable because he can fill a multitude of positions and is willing to, you know. So, um, to each of us, a measure of faith has been given to do the job we've been called upon to do. Now, I want you to get this. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, uh, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Um, in Romans chapter 10, verse number 17, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Or actually the word God, there should be the word Christ. Um, and then in Romans chapter 5, verse number 2, it says, through, um, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, the word grace, we all know this word to mean unmerited favor. But this word is bigger than that. Okay, it's bigger than just unmerited favor. And it is unmerited, and it is favor, all right? But it is an unmerited and unearned and undeserved favor that is upon you. In fact, get this, grace literally means, and in this context, uh, let me find what I'm looking for here, um, this grace is a capacity and an ability that is due to the grace of God. 
So if you have this grace of God upon you, you have a capacity and an ability that is the gifting of God upon your life. Praise God. Now, grace truly is the thing. It is unmerited favor with God. I'm not diminishing that. Not diminishing that as importance. Uh, but I'm saying that there, because of the grace of God, the giftings of God upon your life, there is a capacity and an ability to do something. It em, grace empowers you. Grace empowers you to over, overcome sin. Yes, it does. But that's not what I'm talking about right now. Grace empowers you to function at a level that you couldn't ordinarily function. Praise God. And there is a grace that is specific to you, a grace that God has bestowed upon you to fulfill a certain function in the body of Christ. This We're talking about why we need you on the team. Praise God. Because you have a grace that I don't have. You have a capacity, you have a, an ability that I don't have, that the person sitting next to you doesn't have. It is a gifting from God, and we need your grace along with my grace. Not instead of my grace, we need your grace along with my grace. Praise God. We need your grace along with the grace of the person sitting next to you. Not instead of, but along with. Praise God. Praise God. This is why it's a body. My right hand does not have the same grace as my left hand. My eye does not have the same grace as my ear. They have different functions, different purposes, and we need both, not one or the other. Praise God. Praise God. Now, you can take a blind person, and they say that blind people have developed a, 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 a more acute sense of, of hearing, some, you know. And, uh, I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but whether it is or, or not, it makes a good illustration. Uh, but, you know, you can take a person, they, they don't have the use of their eyes so they hear things that other people would not necessarily hear, okay? And because they have, they have developed that. And, but you can ask any blind person if they'd rather have their eyes, yes. You know, it'd be hard to find a blind person that wouldn't like to see. Praise God. So it's not either or, it's both. Praise God. Praise God. Now, um, we need to understand that there is nobody that can take your place, nobody that can fill your shoes the same way you do. I'm not saying they can't do your job. You know, this is the Lord's church, and the job's going to get done. Praise God. But there is nobody that can do it like you do. That's why we need you on the team. 
Praise God. Praise God. You know, there was this lady in Acts chapter 9, and I'm not going to read this because I'm just about out of time. But in Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 41, and I encourage you to read it. This woman, her name was uh, Tabitha, uh, and uh, the, it says, which is translated Dorcas. So if you hear Dorcas or you hear Tabitha, it's the same person. All right. So anyway, this lady became ill, and she died. And they went, and they found Peter, and uh, because the, the cities where Dorcas was and the city where Peter was were, were close to one another, so they went and they found Peter, and Peter came, and, and he went in, and he, he spoke to her and raised her up from the dead. Uh, but it says that when he went, they brought out all of the things. It says that this woman was full of good works and charitable deeds. Now, it's also notable that she was not a preacher. She was not an evangelist. She was not a pastor. She was not a teacher. She was a disciple. Disciple is something that anybody who decides they want to be a disciple can be. Praise God. There is no gift of discipleship. There is a decision of discipleship. Praise God. But the people in this city, in, uh, uh, not, not Joppa, Joppa's where Peter, Lydda was the name of the city. The people in the city of Lydda they were grieving tremendously because Dorcas had died. So they went to search out and find Peter, and he came, and when he came, they were showing Peter all of these are the things that she did for us. These are the, the, the things that she made for us. They were grieved deeply, not because their pastor had died, they were grieving deeply, not because this great evangelist had died. They grieved deeply because this disciple who was full of good works and charitable deeds have died. Now, I think that story is very descriptive of why it is important and why we need to realize that, you know, you don't have to stand on this platform to be valuable. Praise God. Praise God. Every single one of you are valuable. What do you decide to do with the value you have? You know, you can have the most expensive sports car made. If you never take it out of the garage, what have you got? You've, you've got something when your friends come over, you can take them in your garage and show to them. But it really will never, will never reach its potential. You know, Lamborghini will never reach its potential driving around on the streets of Carlsbad. Got way more potential than that. Praise God. You have potential 
But if you never get out of the garage, the potential is lost. Potential is lost. You have a grace. The Apostle Paul said this, or not, not, the, not the Apostle Paul, I'm sorry. Uh, Peter said this, talking about husbands and wives. He said, husbands and wives are heirs together of the grace of life. And the grace that he's talking about in that instance, he is talking about the, uh, I think it was W.E. Vine that said it this way, called it the, the, the uh, power and equipment for ministry, which goes right along with the definition that I gave you, the capacity and, and uh, how did I say it? The capacity and the um, ability. The, the capacity and the ability. You have power and equipment for ministry. You have capacity and ability for, for ministry, for serving in the body of Christ. And he says, husbands and wives are heirs together of the capacity and ability for ministry. In other words... To, to work together as a team. But here's something that the Apostle Paul talks about in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. He talks about the relationship between Christ and his church and compared it with the relationship between husband and wife. He says the same thing. So if he says that, that husband and wife are heirs together of this grace for life, then could we not also say that the members of a church are heirs together of the grace for life, are heirs together for the capacity and the ability for ministry? You see, there's things we can do together. There's things you and your spouse can do together that you can't do separately, individually, but you can do together because you're heirs together. Praise God. There are things we as a church can do together. This is the hot off the press revelation, praise God, that as a church, there is a grace upon us as a church that will never be upon you individually. Praise God. There are things we can accomplish. There are things we can do together as a church that we can never individually accomplish. Praise God. But it requires every one of us functioning where we are supposed to function. Praise God. Operating in the grace that is given to us. Operating in our measure of faith. Praise God. Praise God. But I'm calling you on board. I'm calling you. Maybe you're already on board. That's all right. I'm calling everyone on board. Let's all be recipients and partakers in the grace that is upon Word of Life Church. Praise God. Not there, There's a grace on the church down the street too, across the street. Down this way, you know, there's, there's graces that are upon those churches as well. But we're talking about this church. We're talking about this body. There is a grace 
that is upon this church, there are things that we can do that nobody else can do the way we do it. Praise God. Praise God. So I'm calling, come in, be a recipient, be a partaker of the grace that is upon Word of Life. Praise God. That's why you need to come back to Word of Life. I know you're here, so, you know, but that's why you need to come back next week. That's, that's why the people that are viewing us online, that's why you need to come back to Word of Life. Praise God. Praise God. If you have never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I know we've, at the end of worship, we kind of went, we went, went through this, but I'm going to give a, a, a formal invitation right now. If, if you pray this during, the, during that time at the end of worship, you're just as saved as if you pray it right now. It makes, makes no difference. I want to give this formal invitation. Jesus said, except you be born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So let me just issue this invitation. If you have never prayed this, if you have never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, right now, is the best time there will ever be. Praise God. Very simple. Romans chapter 10 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. With the heart, one believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. What we're doing is making a verbal commitment to what we say we believe. Praise God. Praise God. So pray this with me right now. God in heaven, I believe that Jesus died on a cross for me. He paid the penalty for all of my sin. On the third day, you raised him from the dead. Right now, I choose Jesus to be my personal Lord and Savior. I trust Him for my salvation, that what He did was enough, that justice has been satisfied by His work. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Amen. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer according to God's Word, you are saved. If you, if you prayed that and you believe it. Now, if you just said it and don't believe it, you're not saved. You prayed that and you believe it. You are saved. Praise God. So, if you're watching online or if you're sitting in this room, if you're in the room on the back of the seat in front of you, there's a blue card that says, Welcome to Word of Life. If you would just fill out that card and there's a box on there that says, I choose Jesus. If you would just check that box. And you can either leave it in the seat or hand it to someone at the guest services counter out front. We just want to know. And then online at wolcarlsbad.com. wolcarlsbad.com. There is a little book that I have written that is called I Choose Jesus. It's a free download. Cost you nothing. Download that book because there's some information in there about what just happened to you. Praise God. So whether you're watching online or whether you're sitting in this room, go to the website and download that book.
praise God. It's an e-book. And, uh, and read that. It will help you to get started following the Lord. Also, Jesus said that, that the Father has a gift for you. called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not a scary thing. Can be if you don't understand. But you see, God has gifted us. Jesus went back to heaven. And he sent the Holy Spirit in his place. When Holy Spirit has come, he will empower you. He will guide you into all truth. Praise God. He will empower you to pray beyond your intellect. He will empower you to pray when you don't know what you should pray for like you ought to pray. He empowers you in one way. He empowers you is with, in the, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, with groanings which cannot be uttered. He's talking about speaking with other tongues. As the Spirit give utterance. And so, Jesus said that everyone who asks for this gift receives. Everyone. He says, everyone who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be open. Praise God. So, I want to lead you in a prayer today. If you have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking with other tongues, other tongues is just the Spirit of God on the inside of you praying through you. It works like this. We're going to ask like Jesus said to do. We're going to ask. And when we say amen at the end of our asking prayer, when we say amen, you will receive. And when you receive... There's going to be a language that you've never learned. You won't understand the words, but it's going to be coming from inside, way down on the inside of you. Not from your head, not from your mind, but from way down on the inside of you. It'll begin to rise up in you, begin to say what's coming up on the inside of you. That's all speaking with tongues is. Praise God. See, because that's Holy Spirit in you, praying through you. Praise God. So just begin to say what he's saying on the inside of you. Praise God. Praise God. Are you ready? Let's pray this together. Father, Jesus said that you have a gift for me. And I've come to receive my gift. And I want to thank you for what you've provided for me. For this amazing gift thank you so much. I receive the promise right now in the name of Jesus. Here we go. Amen. Now start saying what's coming up on the inside of you. Say it where you can hear it. I don't have to hear it, but you need to hear it. Praise God. And then from this point on, every day of your life, pray Spirit will give you the utterance. You don't have to worry about what you're saying. You don't have to worry about that at all. It's Holy Spirit. He speaks directly to God. God understands what you're saying. Praise God. Praise God. If you need healing in your body, just lift your hand right now, wherever you're at, whether you're online or whether you're in this room. Just lift your hand up. I'm not going to call you forward, but I just want to speak healing over your bodies right now in the name of Jesus for everyone who has lifted their hand today. I declare in Jesus' name, receive your healing in the 
you, Lord, for healing your people. Now, I failed to mention this earlier uh, before I received the tithes and offerings. If you're with us for the very first time, I, I apologize for waiting for now. If you're with us for the very first time, thank you so much for coming and being with us. We trust that you have received some things from the Lord that be a help to you. We want to ask if you don't have a place where you're regularly plugged in and involved in and receiving the Word of God and involved in, then please consider prayerfully consider becoming a regular part of what's going on in Word of Life. We throw our arms open to you and we welcome you. We don't have to know anything about you. Praise God. We just welcome you. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love with you.